Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. We often discuss court cases on this channel, and from time to time, I'll tell you that a court has come out with a decision or a jury's rendered a verdict, and we talk about that. Now, as mentioned, of course, those can go up on appeal. And so until the case has gone up on appeal and lost, or the time for appeal has passed, there's always something that can happen on these cases. So a while back, I think about five months ago, I did a video about a family that said they were terrorized because they lived next to a golf course. And so many golf balls flew into their yard and uh, into their house uh, that it got to be dangerous to sit in their own backyard. So they sued the golf course operators, and they won a very large verdict, $5 million for the uh, hailstorm of golf balls. And uh, several people said, Steve, check it out. That just got overturned on appeal. A Massachusetts couple's $5 million verdict from the country club over golf balls hitting their home, overturned by a higher court. And the higher court said the judge at the trial level made a mistake and has ordered a new trial. So Christopher Gavin wrote this for Boston.com. Bill, Lance, and Matt all sent it. A Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court on Tuesday overturned a nearly $5 million verdict awarded to the Kingston couple who sued after their home came under fire from hundreds of errant golf balls from a neighboring country club. And a lot of people commented on this one and said, Steve, you buy a house next to the golf course. What do you expect? It's like buying a house next to the airport and complaining about the noise, isn't it? And, uh, of course, that does depend. If you bought the house and the golf course is already there, seems like you'd be on notice of that. So the unanimous decision, the appeal was unanimous, was written by a Justice Scott Kafker. He says the big judgment was vacated due to a clear error from the trial judge. Trial judge oversaw a six-day jury trial between the couple and the country club back in December. So back in December is when the uh, trial took place. That error that the judge committed prevented the jury from answering a critical question in the case. And that is whether the country club's 15th hole, with its tee boxes and fairway, the origin points of the balls that pelted these people's home, whether it was reasonably operated. And remember, I think we're talking about negligence. Okay? Negligence. And that is, you have a duty to do something, and you don't do it. You breach the duty. So the question is, the golf course certainly owes a duty to the people around it that they will operate the golf course in a way that is reasonable. And a reasonable way would mean that, generally speaking, hundreds and hundreds of golf balls wouldn't hit your house. But we know that it could still happen. It could still happen. And the question is, when it does happen, is it the golf course's fault or something else? So in reversing the trial court, the uh, Supreme Judicial Court, says a new trial in Plymouth Superior Court is necessary because justices can't determine as a matter of law whether that hole and the number of errant golf balls that went into their yard was indeed reasonable or not. And apparently, and I'm reading between the lines here, apparently at trial, the court told the jury that if you find that these golf balls were going into their yard, you can immediately assume that there was something unreasonable about the design of the golf course because that shouldn't happen. And there are, and I'm not going to get too heavily into this because it's extremely complicated. I know lawyers who don't understand this, 
But in a trial, juries decide questions of fact. Judges decide questions of law. So the issue about whether or not golf balls going into a yard is per se negligence, this court is saying that is a question of fact. The jury decides that, not the judge. So with golf, some errant shots way offline are inevitable. But a predictable pattern of errant shots that arise from the unreasonable golf course operation is not. So the attorney representing the couple indicated Tuesday afternoon that the couple believes the jury will still be sympathetic in their case, again, in a new trial. A reasonably operated golf course does not result in property damage, he said. Now, I'm curious to know if he means that it doesn't result in any property damage or if it results you know, in more than it should. And I've mentioned before, um, I'm familiar with golf courses. In fact, there is a particular golf course that in the summertime when I ride my mountain bike, I routinely ride past this one golf course. And the golf course has put a row of trees up along one line and then down the other line. So there's a corner there. And there are trees in the fence that shield balls being hit from here or from over here into going into the road. Now, I can tell you that I've never seen a ball hit into the road, but I've seen the balls that were hit that escaped the golf course. And what happens a lot of times, apparently, is guys who hit the ball and it curves that way, or gals, and it hits a tree, it then drops to the ground, and sometimes it drops over the fence. Because that strip of grass between the road and the fence is often littered with golf balls. But I believe it's because the trees are doing their jobs. So I've never seen golf balls in the road or across the road. So it looks to me like the designers of that golf course said, you know something, we've got a busy road going this way and a semi-busy road going this way. We don't want to be bouncing balls off of cars. So let's plant these trees and put this fence up and that should do it. And apparently it's done it. So if that house across the street, I'm making up an example here, that in, this, in the golf course I'm thinking of, if those trees weren't there and the house across the street is being pummeled with golf balls, somebody look at that and go, gee, you know, a good golf course designer would have suggested you plant a row of trees there. And, you know, I mean, think about this. When, when, you, know, when you go to watch a baseball game, right? Um, I'm talking about going to a, ba- like a Little League baseball game. There's a backstop and there's often fences indicating the out-of-play lines, right? Foul line, out-of-play. So you've got a backstop there. So if you're standing behind the backstop, you wouldn't expect to get hit by a ball directly. Now, the ball might pop up and come down, but the backstop has a job to do, and it doesn't. So the real question here is, they say that it's the 15th that's causing all these problems. Is there something about the design or the layout of that particular hole and how this house was placed that actually places this house in an unusual peril? based on those golf balls uh, and and the layout of the golf course. That's the question. This family doesn't have any other choice but to continue this, and I think we've proven what a jury of reasonable people think of this particular situation, the attorney said. Now, an attorney for the country club did not immediately respond to a request for comment. The couple bought their home in this subdivision in 2017. Over the following four years, 651 golf balls allegedly hit their property. The balls broke eight windows, 
damaged the house's siding and a railing on their outdoor deck. In addition to other impacts the situation had on their family, the couple said in court. The husband testified to the mental exhaustion of worrying about golf ball strikes and his children's safety and his observations of his wife's hopelessness and his children's fear, stress, and nervousness. That is the Supreme Court judge writing about it in the opinion. Meanwhile, the wife testified that golf ball strikes interrupted her work calls, woke up her children during naps, and she described the golf balls as scary and chaotic. Her expectations of being able to use the outdoor space at her home were unfulfilled. But that's the court saying, yeah, we recognize that something happened. The question is, is what happened unreasonable? The jury awarded them $3.5 million for damages and emotional and mental suffering, and it totaled out to $4.9 million with interest. The Country Club filed an appeal to the state courts in April. According to the judge, the lower court's error was the failure to properly instruct the jury to consider an easement granted to the country club in 2001. So before these people bought their home, I think we're talking about more than a decade, um, the, the homeowner, the property owner, had granted an easement to the golf course. Uh, at play in the case are two easements. One that grants golfers the right to retrieve balls from unimproved portions of adjacent properties, and another that allows for reasonable operation of a golf course. So does this fit the description of a reasonable operation of a golf course? And by the way, if you bought the property and it has written into the description an easement granting golfers the right to retrieve balls from unimproved portions of the property, you might realize that some golf balls are going to land on your property. Some. 651 in four years? I don't know. The latter provision, which is the reasonable operation of golf course, covers the flight of errant balls onto neighboring properties, this higher court concluded. Uh, errant golf balls are to golf what foul balls and errors are to baseball. They're a natural part of the game. They demonstrate the difficulty and challenge of the sport even for the very best players. Despite practice, instruction, technological improvements, even good golf course design and operation, golf shots go awry as a matter of course. And the court noted that, of course, the golf course design and operation is what's disputed in the instant case. So meanwhile, the trial court had the jury consider only the former provision at trial and his failure to give the proper instruction on the second easement to the jury was prejudicial, and that's what leads to the overturning of this. Justice has also determined that the lower court wrongly issued a permanent injunction that prohibited the golf course from operating in a way that would allow golf balls onto these people's property. Because remember, one of the easements specifically anticipated golf balls from the course landing on the property. So we, 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 you know, that's, that's a problem. Uh, meanwhile, they said a new trial is needed because the jury's judgment may have been different without those mistakes. The reasonableness of the operation of the 15th hole was in dispute, but the jury were not instructed properly on how to decide that question, including how to evaluate errant shots. Uh, instead, the jury were only instructed about the able retrieval easement, which was misleading in its isolation. So the jury should have been told there's two easements here, and you got to consider them both. Therefore, the main question in the case is whether the operation of the 15th hole is reasonable, taking into account how many balls hit the people's home. Although a golf course operator cannot reasonably prevent 
all widely errant shots from hitting a home nexus course, it can reasonably prevent a predictable and steady stream of shots from hitting such a home, he wrote. In 2019, the golf course incorporated some mitigation efforts in lieu of a ruling on a motion for a preliminary injunction. Couple ultimately found the measures ineffective and went back to court. Those efforts, though, did reduce the number of balls hitting the property. Before the changes, in one year, 130 balls were found on the property, 30 of them striking the house. After the measures, uh, in the next three years, um, 89 to 99 balls were found, of which 9 to 13 hit the house. So they cut it down quite a bit. The plaintiff's expert testified that he had no objections to the suggested mitigation measures, but he thought that they didn't go far enough. So that's something also. Obviously, um, you know, moving the house, probably not a great idea. Moving the golf course, probably a little less of a great idea. <laughs> so you got to do something. And one question I would have is that many of these golf courses have homes all around them. And the first question I would have if I was on the jury and if I was the judge before this thing even went to trial, I would say, how many homes are there like yours situated adjacent to the golf course? How many are there? And there would be a fixed number in that. And I would say, okay, how many other homes get hit by golf balls? And, and how does your home compare to theirs? Is your home an outlier? In other words, if you've got neighbors on both sides of you, and they get 10 balls in their yard a year, and they get 10 balls a year in their yard, and you get 150, well, then we got a problem. But if, if everybody gets the same amount in their yards, I'm not really sure what to say about that. Especially, why aren't there other people in court screaming and yelling? Because <laughs> you know they're probably really wondering whether they should file a lawsuit when they heard about this $5 million judgment. But the judgment just got spun around. And it really does boil down to the reasonable operation of the golf course. And is it the fault of the golf course that this one particular house is being hit? Is there something wrong with the design of this hole? So the plaintiffs had an expert in golf course design who came in and said, well, the mitigation efforts were a great start, uh, and that's normally what they would do. And I've heard of people, by the way, planting trees and stuff to block things like golf balls flying around. So we'll see what happens. But procedurally, we had a trial at the trial court. It went up on appeal. The court on appeal said, judge made a mistake, send it back down for a new trial. So you'll get a whole brand new batch of jurors. Those jurors will not be told about this case. Now, some of them may have heard about it. They might get asked, did you hear about this case? Is that going to affect how you feel about this case? But ideally, you'd find a bunch of jurors who didn't know about this case, don't know anything about golf, and uh, are, are open-minded. That's, that's what you're hoping. <laughs> might be difficult to find, but they are going to start from scratch. Square one, start over, see what happens. So, I'll be fascinated to see what happens because this is a rare laboratory-type experiment here where we had a trial, a $5 million verdict, and then we're going to have another trial where one instruction is going to get changed. And that is that the jury is going to be told not just about the one easement, but both easements, which will require the jury then to determine whether, in fact, it is negligence the way the golf course is laid out or not. It's not negligence, 
well, then the golf course might not have to pay any money. So we'll see what happens. I will update you, as always. Bill, Lance, and Matt, thanks for sending it. From Boston.com, the higher court overturned a Massachusetts couple's $5 million verdict from a country club over the golf balls hitting their home and landing in their yards. Question or comment, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. To be or not to be, that's not really a question.